Today is Pentecost Sunday, as it has so uh, been uh, described in such a great way through our worship team this morning and also through uh, John's uh, message to us. And uh, we can be so grateful for this day on the Christian calendar, a day that means so much to every one of us as Christians because we look back to the power of the Holy Spirit descending upon the apostles and the followers of Jesus Christ as it's described in the book of Acts. And that message is relevant for us today. It goes along with our series of the soil samples. And as we look at um, our mission as Christians, the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit goes before us, gives us boldness in all that we do and all that we say as believers and followers of Christ. I have said it each week, and I say it again, that we are in an age, living in an age where the church is becoming increasingly irrelevant to the daily lives of people that are around us. And unfortunately, the message of the church seems to be increasingly falling on deaf ears. And in our text, Jesus speaks the words that he who has an ear, let them hear. And when the truth is mocked as meaningless and unattainable, it's an age that we, above all other ages, need the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And Jesus speaks to us today through words and parables. And the words that we are looking at today is the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower. And we are launching our series from Luke, the eighth chapter, although this parable is found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, it's found in Luke, not found in the book of John, but it's a parable that speaks so loudly to us. Churches today are being accused of being quite soft when it comes to scriptural principles in the word of God. It seems like when we're driving down the road, churches... uh, have different names, and some of the names mean nothing to us. For example, when you're driving and you see the Creek Church, or you see the Mountaintop Church, or you see um, the Church of the uh, Curved Roads, or whatever, the name, and you're trying to figure out, I wonder if that's a Baptist church, what kind of church is that, Assembly of God Church, or uh, whatever. But churches today have been accused of promoting nothing but a feel-good, self-serving, pep talk uh, type of gospel with few scriptural references. And there are churches that do uh, misapply scripture and um, apply it to situations to make people feel good. But here in the book of Luke, and as we look at this Uh, fourth chapter or the eighth chapter verse number four and on we find that Jesus speaks in parables the word of God says that while a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town he told this parable a farmer went out and sowed the seed and as he was scattering the seed some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up And some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. If you read this entire text, you will find that this parable speaks of four different types of soil. Four different types of soil hoping for a harvest. 
The sower sows his seed very liberally, throwing it all over, throwing it here and throwing it there. And some is sown on the path. And the scripture goes on to say that some falls in the thorns or among the thorns, some on good ground and some among the rocks. The farmer or the sower in this particular parable is the minister of the gospel. The one who is sharing the gospel. A hymn was written by Francis Bottomy in 1871. The words of the hymn say, says, Oh, spread the tidings round. Wherever man is found, wherever human hearts and human woes are found. It is our job as sowers, as we spread the gospel, to spread it around the seed in this parable represents the truth, the ultimate truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. And the four soils represent four ways in which we all receive the gospel. Hopefully, as we sit here, the gospel is on ground that is conducive to God's word taking hold and that we mature and that we grow. When we share the gospel with others, we must understand that not everyone is going to accept God's word. When Jesus preached, only a few received him. And we learn in the book of Acts, in the 28th chapter of the book of Acts, in the 24th, uh, 24th verse, the apostle Paul, he says that some believe the things that were spoken and some believe not. Some are convinced. Some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe. You see, not everyone who hears the word will believe it. And Jesus says in this eighth chapter of Luke, the eighth verse, that he who has ears, let him hear. Now, it seems like each week I come up with a different story about hearing because uh, hearing is an important part of our lives. And we all seem to accuse each other of not hearing certain things or getting something wrong. And I think, uh, and I don't know where it comes from, most of us get uh, these ads that come to our house about hearing aids, and you can buy the best hearing aid here or there. An elderly man had a serious hearing problem. It's no one in this room, but maybe you can identify with this story. And for a number of years, his family attempted to convince him over and over to get his hearing checked. Finally, this man relented and he went to the doctor. He was fitted for the very best set of hearing aids that you possibly can get. The type that you can't, can't even hardly see. They are almost invisible. Well, it allowed him to hear 100%. He was hearing everything. A month later, he went back to his doctor for a follow-up, and the doctor was pretty proud of the fact that he had accomplished a great deal in this man's life. And the doctor said to him with a smile, your hearing is perfect. I tested you again, and I'm pleased to say it is perfect. The doctor went on to say, your family must really be pleased that you can hear again. The old man replied, he said, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and I listen to their conversation and I've changed my will three times already. <clears throat> well, you and I are 
individuals as Christians and followers of Christ, we have a charge and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is to sow the gospel seed wherever we can and not assume that it will all fall on good soil. We plant the seed and we as well hope that there will be a harvest. I want to thank you for your encouragement from week to week. And this week I received an email or I received a note from an individual. And the note said this, your message on soil samples and the sower have been an encouragement to me to be willing to sow the seed of God's love in his word in the lives of those that I would have judged as having hearts of hard-packed soil. But who am I to be the judge? My task is to sow. The harvest belongs to the Holy Spirit, and only the Holy Spirit is able to prepare the hearts. Thank you for speaking God's word in love to us. And that is the message that you and I must be individuals that are willing to spread the seed. We've been talking about this parable of the sower for the last couple weeks. And last week, I talked about the wayside soil. You know, the wayside soil is that soil that's so packed down. It's packed down from individuals or, or vehicles or whatever. It's hardened hearts that need a plow. That's what the wayside uh, soil represents. The hardened heart that needs the plow and it needs rain to soften them and so that the seed is not stolen by the enemy. When you read that part of the parable, you see that the birds come and they eat the seed. The enemy comes and eats the seed. This week, we're going to talk about the rocky ground. And unlike the wayside soil, the rocky ground is soft enough for the seed to penetrate and to find root and to find some nurturing. The plant quickly springs up in the very fertile soil and welcoming soil, only to find that its roots have no depth. And when the sun comes out, it scorches down on the plant and it withers and dies. The need of the wayside soil is a softer heart, the plowing and the rain. But the need of the rocky soil is actually deeper roots, that our roots go down deeper. Rocky hearts receive readily the wonderful counsel of God. The rocky soil's ears perk up when they hear and their hearts perk up and resonate with the word in the heart of Jesus' message. And with joy, the rocky soil heart accepts the call. But when tough times come, difficult times come, when the demands of life come upon that individual and those tough times come along and demand their time, their energy, their emotions, and um, when things become uncomfortable, that particular individual tends to return to the old ways of life. And the sower of the seed has some that falls on the good soil eventually, but it would not fall there if it was spared. The sower just sows and sows. And when we look at this parable, we think that this person is pretty reckless. reckless. This person is wasteful. You may see a great work in those that you share the gospel with, but we must be aware of the person that has the heart 
of the rocky soil. This is the one type of soil that appears hopeful, but in fact, that individual is destined to die. And when I read this parable, <clears throat> there is one type of soil that fascinates me more than the rest. And it happens to be this type of soil. The seed that is sowed among the rocks. I want to point out at least four characteristics this morning. Four characteristics that are unique to the person that Jesus refers to as the rocky soil convert. First of all, the rocky soil Christian, a convert, receives the word of the gospel with joy in his or her heart. In that 13th verse of the 8th chapter, you see those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they hear it, but they have no root, and they believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. You see, in all four soils that are described in this parable, the one thing that all four of these, these um, soils have in common is the fact that they're heard. The person hears. You see that word that the person hears the gospel, and they all receive the word and although some receive it poorly, and they receive it nonetheless. And there are some people that are content to do nothing more than just to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But hearing is not enough. James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Jesus Christ said himself, but everyone who hears the word of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. This isn't the only place in scripture that we see the danger of disregarding the word of God once it is heard. You see, merely hearing the truth won't set you free from sin. The shallow soil hearers receive the word gladly. They often receive it with tears, often receive the word of God with great emotion and enthusiasm, but they receive it superficially. And like a seed that falls on a, say, a, a spoonful of dirt on a large rock, it has enough soil to cause it to sprout, but certainly not enough to grow and produce fruit by which people will know us as Christians. How the rocky soil convert receives the word? Well, first of all, the scripture says they receive it with what? Joy, happiness. They receive God's word with excitement. In the past years, I have um, gone sailing several times a year with a friend of mine, Richard Hammer, who is the legal advisor for the Assemblies of God. Richard is a man that... Um, is a good friend of mine, but he's quite predictable. You see, Richard, we always meet at the same place when we go sailing. We meet at the same time. He is always the driver, and he takes the same streets. And as we approach Stockton Lake, he drives across a park. It's the Corps of Engineers Park, and he crosses a dam there. When he crosses the dam, he always says the same thing. 
Look at the condition of the water and let's see what direction the American flag is blowing in. He's preparing for that journey of sailing. We then proceed on to a marina that's out in the water, probably about 100 feet. You walk on docks and we go there to get last minute items before we get on the sailboat. When Richard is going through his routine at the marina, I can be found looking at giant schools of carp. The carp are right there on the boardwalk, and they are looking up at me like, give me something. And so I reach in my pockets and I pull out all kinds of things. Maybe I'll have some Doritos or some uh, Cheetos. And boy, they love that. And I throw that in and they just about um, beat each other up trying to get it. So once in a while, in my mix of food, I'll throw in a piece of lint out of my pocket or maybe a twig. They don't care. They still attack it. They swallow it and they eat it. Whether it's a tiny pebble or a piece of lint that's accidentally, they swallow it up. And the fish, they compete with one another to immediately swallow anything and everything that is thrown in their direction. And they are so thick, it looks like you could walk on top of them. Well, when I think about this story, I think about how the rocky soil receives a seed that some people receive anything. They'll receive anything without question. You can throw it out to them, no conviction. They receive it with joy, and they accept immediately what sounds good, and they are thrilled to accept it. I pray today that that's not your heart, that you accept anything that comes along. I like what the theologian Spurgeon said. He once said, and I quote this, swallow the pill with their eyes shut. Caring not whether it's God's truth or Satan's lie, salvation, redemption, everlasting life. Who wouldn't want that? But they count the cost, and, or, and before they count the cost, they say, count me in. It's important to count the cost when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, we live in a world today where grace is cheap for many, and meaningless. Where grace means anything goes. Grace means that heaven is ours no matter what we do or what we believe. And this is the theology of the Buddhists, the theology of the Muslims, the Hindus, the cultists. As long as they are faithful to their belief, it's no different in the eyes of God. We, unfortunately, in some places, are teaching this type of... of uh, Theology. I'm dealing personally with issues that are from the pits of hell. And the, wor the world is tough today, where we must love the people but dislike what they are doing and be upfront and not compromise about it. To have a godly influence as long as we possibly can and sow the seeds of righteousness in the hearts of individuals. Some may recognize that Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except by me. But others question that. Did he really mean that? 
In rocky soil, the idea of love and forgiveness comes pretty easy. It's a great idea. But the thought of sacrifice and responsibilities causes the rocky soil person often to look in the other direction and go back to what they have come from. It's like schooling fish. They tend to think that they're safe in numbers. And I'm part of a norm. I'm part of the crowd, so I'm okay. In Alaska, and this church has made a great investment in Alaska at the uh, children's camp. And once again, they're asking us to come back because they have made it through COVID and they've made it through some earthquakes. A native Alaskan once told me, when you're out walking, watch out, because there's bears. Matter of fact, in most gas stations and gift shops, if you have a dog or an animal, there's bells that you can put on their collars to scare the bear away if you're walking through the woods. It's a little discouraging when you hear that kind of lecture about going out and walking. You see, when walking there, you don't have to be faster than the bear that you may come across. You just have to be faster than whoever's with you. And when we run in crowds, you know, we want to be like everyone else. And there, there's an inner drive to, to be the same, to look the same, to act the same, and be accepted by all. Herd immunity, herd mentality. We want to be accepted more than, in some cases, then we want to be right. And so we live in two worlds, the person that has that rocky heart, the world of the Christian and the world of the secular. So first of all, we see that the rocky soil Christian receives the gospel with joy. And secondly, the rocky soil Christian uh, has no roots. The scripture tells us, as Jesus shares this parable there in the 13th verse, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, <clears throat> and they hear it, but they, what? Have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. Some people are not deeper spiritually because they just don't want to be. It sounds nice, but in practice, our heart or their hearts are simply unwilling to give up the toys to set Jesus Christ on the throne of his or her life. In truth, that individual wants something for nothing. And Jesus says of our conflict with the world, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his or her soul? Keep trying to fit in and you may even make it sometimes, but at what cost? We must pick up our cross and follow Jesus. We must become doers of the word, as I mentioned before, and in the book of James, the first chapter, look at it a little bit more in detail. It says, therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word, the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets 
what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgiving what they, forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. May our hearts be that type of person, a person that listens and does what God's word says, and a person that grows up in the things of Jesus Christ, that each day is a day that we grow. As it says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 14 and 15, where the scripture reads, and we will not, no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Shallow Christianity is filled with fads. It's filled with quick fixes. It's filled with slogans and flashes of uh, uh, brilliancy and um, shallow Christianity leaves us always feeling like a roller coaster ride. Spiritually, a constant series of highs and lows if our roots are not getting down. The deeper our walk with Christ, the less the winds and the waves are able to upset us. May our walk with Christ be deep. Seeds that survive do so because their roots reach nourishing waters of life. The power of the Holy Spirit on this day of Pentecost, as we reflect upon it, it will nurture us and we grow in the things of the Lord. Jesus also taught the danger of receiving something too quickly. In Luke, the 14th chapter, here in verse number 28 through 30, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. In restoration and in body work, and maybe some of you have experienced this from a dent or something in your car, be careful who fixes that car. There's a lot of Body workers that have good intentions, but as you look at your, their lots, you'll see many, many unfinished uh, projects. And that's a danger sign. The person that runs a business efficiently and they get your car in and out and the restoration doesn't take 10 years, but it may take 10 months or six months. That's the person you want to deal with. The individual that calculates the cost, and it seems... It's better not to start than to start and not finish. And Jesus warns us of that. Some people drive into salvation head first without question and without counting the cost. The rocky road person. A thoughtful and wise man will consider what professing to be a Christian means. That you and I take up our cross and we follow the Lord. Do you really want to pick up the cross? Do you want to be a faithful Christian for the rest of your life? Commit to it. Be a person that calculates the cost of following Jesus Christ. Just like a contractor who considers what it costs to start and to finish a building. 
It seems like national news, maybe worldwide news. There's an interesting element that's taken place, and it's on Route 76 west of Silver Dollar City. It's a development that started, and the title of the development was Indian Ridge Resort. It's a half-built neighborhood that's heard about all through the internets. Big, beautiful shells of mansions, a whole subdivision filled with them. The roads are collapsing. Grass is growing up through the pavement, what little pavement is left. Huge houses sit with weathered plywood skins. Why? Because the builder didn't consider the cost of what it would take to finish such a project. And I suspect that he thought it was a great idea and jumped into the opportunity to begin, but didn't consider all the red tape, the trials, the money, and for sure, the two 2008 building crisis. All the things that it would take to finish, but now it sits as a ghost town and it's talked about. If you're going, ever go on a mission trip, you know, with the church, we calculate the cost. We spend time in prayer looking at the projects. What do we need to bring? We don't just rush out the door and throw everything we can in a suitcase, but we look and we calculate the costs. The things are thought out well in advance. As you go on your journey, explore the destination. As you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, make that commitment with thought. Don't be a rocky soil Christian. Time tests all metal. And let's see what we look like in a year from now. Let's see what we may look like five years from now. What do you look like 50 years from now? And some of you have served the Lord that long. I remember when we were celebrating a significant anniversary in our lives, a wedding anniversary, my wife and I, I was stating to a cashier how long we had been married. And she said to me, I can't even imagine that. And I said to her, well, then don't even think about getting married. You see, people today just trash commitment. And that is the rocky soil Christian in a spiritual walk. Rocky soil Christians receive the word with joy. They have no roots. And rocky soil Christians, they progress rapidly and they believe for a while, according to this text in the uh, 13th verse. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. And when they hear it, but they have no roots and they believe for a while, the text says. But in the time of testing, they fall away. We see again that the soil in the book of Mark with the parable that's recorded and it's in the fourth chapter of Mark in verse number five where Jesus tells a story there and he says some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. The rocky soil convert is the person that springs up quickly. They're on fire for God for about a month to maybe a year or so, and then they're back in the world sometime shortly after their conversion. They give testimony about their salvation experience. They may even end up teaching Sunday school in just a few weeks. And it's a peculiar sight to see them grow from a sprout to a tree in a span of weeks. Rather than an oak tree, they are more like a dandelion, gone quickly. May we be people that are faithful to God's word. 
And even preachers, by the way, have been known for their rocky soilness in their lives. They receive the word gladly. They jump into ministry and they celebrate. But like Judas, they use the name of the Lord to heal, to cast out demons and just like the other disciples. But in the end, they're found to be false. God help us. Rocky soil Christians can look good enough if they're in, uh, not in turmoil or trials because that's when they will fall apart according to this parable. And finally, we find that rocky soil Christians fall away. The scripture says that those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. They hear it, but they have no root. They bleed for a while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. These rocky soil converts jump into Christianity thinking about nothing but sunshine and wonderful days that are filled with rainbows. Some of you that are here, you know that that's not always true. That there are those difficult times. And that you do go through times of trouble. A great Bible teacher by the name of Vernon, Vernon McGee. He nails the character of the rocky soil convert this way. I quote. These rocky ground folks are the opposite of the wayside group. You remember we studied the wayside group last week. It was the devil who took the word away from the wayside here, but the flesh is the culprit with the rocky soil group. Instead of being in deep freeze, they are in an oven. They're warm, emotional, shedding tears, greatly moved. These are what I call the Alka-Seltzer Christians, there's a lot of fizz in them. They make as much fuss during a service as a rocket that's on a launching pad, but they never get into orbit. They have a great zeal and a great energy during special meetings, but they are like burnt out Roman candles after the meetings are over. That's the end of the quote. Well, in conclusion today, church, I think we can conclude that the rocky soil is something that we all should all pray not to be in rocky soil. The heart of stone that strives against the will of God will only find themselves in a sad and miserable condition. The commentator Matthew Henry said, for none ever hardened his heart against God and prospered. May our hearts not be hardened. We don't want our hardened heart, but let the Holy Spirit break our hearts. We want God to do for us what he did for the people of Israel. When you read in Ezekiel, you read in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, the 26th verse, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. May that be our prayer. If you count the cost and know that you want to follow Jesus Christ and you're willing to not be half-hearted but give your full heart to him, then God will save you. God will move in you. And as you come to him with a humble heart, and today I offer that opportunity for individuals that may sit here. The comforter has come. 
on this great day of coming before God in the power of the Holy Spirit. May we be willing to offer God our hearts. Father, we thank you for a message, a message of salvation. For the person who views, the person who listens today from their home, their office, wherever they may be, to every person in this room. May they come to you, Lord, and say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I've calculated the cost. I've failed so many times. And Lord, I know that I must have roots that go down into deeper soil. Father, may these roots take hold in good ground today. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. And I ask your son to come into my life, to give me new life. Thank you, God. And I ask for forgiveness for where I have failed you. And today, Lord, we come and we celebrate your goodness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand together and let's sing this song as a reminder that we have a responsibility to spread the tidings around, not worry about what soil it falls on, allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work.